You ready for this? I think so, man. So, um, for those of you that don't know, this is Cole Farlow, our student pastor. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Have students, students meet on Wednesday nights at what time? 6.30 to 8. 6.30 to Six 8. 6 through 12th grade. You guys it's are the meeting. best thing ever. Best thing ever? Yes. You guys are meeting this Wednesday night. Heck yeah. Throwing a party. Throwing a party. Christmas party. Anything that anybody needs to know about Wednesday night? Uh, giving away a bunch of stuff. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> a little before your time. Hey, so here's the deal. Cole and I don't know what questions are going to come up. So, cause, And the reason I say that is because there's always somebody that's going to leave and they're, you're going to, hey, Thelma, they knew what they were going to get. But we do, do we have any idea? Zero, okay. which is why I'm a, I have no clue what's coming. I, I'm a little nervous. Well, you should be because this <laughs> is second chance. I know. We're not going to get typical church questions. All right, let's <laughs> do the first one. Here we go. First one. Um, yep, that's how, what you need to do in order to get your question. See, told you all we didn't know what's going on. All right, first question. Here we go. Pastor P, what are you most excited about for the future of our church? That's for me, I guess. That's one's for hey, you. Hey, that one's easy. That's real easy. And, and what I'm most excited about is next week. And let me tell you why. Um, next week are our Christmas services. Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And Sunday, normal times, 9, 15, and 11. And let me tell you why I'm excited. Let me tell you why I'm excited. This is the first year that we've ever been able at a Christmas service to tell you or encourage you to go invite as many people as possible to come to church. But because, because we have room. In the Barbaritos building, we, we didn't tell y'all to go invite people that much, did we? Because if you invited them, there was a good chance they wouldn't get a seat. But this year, I say we pack this place out all three services. Because all of the, listen, everybody in this room knows somebody that needs to be in church, that, that they're not in church. They need Jesus, and they haven't received Jesus. They're more likely to show up at Christmas than any other time of the year. So go ahead and think about, pray about who you're going to bring. And listen, don't ask them to come. Bring them. Tell them you're going to the mall. You're kind of right. I mean, you could park over there and walk over here, okay, but just get them here. That's what I'm most excited about. All right? Anything to add? Be at Christmas. Okay, good. There we go. That's easy. All right, next one. Next question. If Holy Spirit is the best thing for us, then why is the Bible looked at as the final say on Ooh. things? God, Cole, I don't know. What do you think? It, this is interesting. I, I, do, I do have sort of a problem. I feel like a lot of times the... The modern day church, we, we kind of look at God as like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Right. Um, which I, I think is a disservice to the Holy Spirit, honestly. I think he's amazing. I think um, he <laughs> is with us. I think he provides us comfort. Um, but the Bible, I think, is, is a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a book of stories written by people um, that, that tell us about the character of God. And, and when we read the Bible, it's... I, we believe that it's inerrant, and it is, <laughs> I guess, the way to get to know the character of God, which is a great thing. Any thoughts? Well, I, a couple things. Number one, the, I, don't think, I don't believe the Holy Spirit will ever lead us to do something that's contradictory to Scripture. Yeah. And, that, and I can just, there's example after example after example. Um, I think the Holy Spirit is, is Jesus in us to help us in the moment. I think the Bible is a really awesome book that reminds us that if it weren't for the grace of God, we would all be screwed. Yeah. I mean, there are people, there are people in jail that are like, God told me to kill this person. I mean, yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't line up with Scripture. He probably so, didn't do that. Yeah. I, that's my, my guess is God did not ask you to kill that person. Probably, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good example. All right. Let's see what we got next. Next. This My daughter cool. wants to get baptized, and she is only 12 years old. What age is a good age to get baptized? As soon as they accept Christ. Now, now I want to be, be very careful with this because um, I've seen some parents that are so eager for their child to make a profession of faith that they're like dunking them at two. All yeah. right? Yeah. But, but I 
Karis, my daughter, accepted Christ when she was four years old. And um, when I tell you she accepted Christ at four, like she knew everything. And I know some people say that's too young, but I'm like, Jesus said faith like a child. But I baptized her a couple years later when she was old enough, but she was like eight or nine when she got baptized. And, um, and, and she, it, it's when she was old enough to understand what the symbolism meant in baptism. Yeah. No, every time in scripture that people accept Jesus, literally they instantly go find some water and dunk them. So right. I agree. Yep, we're doing baptism here in January. Yep. I think it's January, January the 23rd, I think, is our, isn't that what we said? Yeah. Okay, even, <laughs> even if, yeah. even if it was Let's do it. Okay, cool, it's on the calendar, January 23rd. <laughs> awesome. We just, we, staff Can't meeting. Wait. Huh? Staff meeting, we just Sta- decided. We just did, that was yep. great, wasn't it? was it? good. Awesome. Next, Next question. question. Yep. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Where is God in Afghanistan? Like the situation with Af- Afghanistan or? I, I think so. Because where, where is he, Cole? Uh, I think he's probably everywhere. So Afghani- Afghanistan is just a reminder for us. In fact, if we would just pause. Everything that's happening in the world right now, the past two years, and this is just, this is my theory. My theory is it's God trying to get our attention to remind us that we need him desperately. COVID was not a chance for us to stand on our feet, but to get on our knees. And the situation in Afghanistan is brutal. It's horrible. It's, it's literally, when, I, when the whole situation went down, it was heartbreaking. But, but you know what? God's right there in the middle of it. Amen. And most of the time, God's best work is done behind the scenes and underground. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced there are people coming to Christ in Afghanistan. I believe there are people that are going to receive Christ um, in Afghanistan, but at the end of the day, watching that situation unfold was heartbreaking and a reminder of how desperate the world needs Jesus. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. I, like, you, you never want to see things like that happen in our world, but I, I compare it to kind of like China. Um, China has more Christians than any other nation in the world, yes. I believe. And it's like illegal to be a Christian in China, mm-hmm. essentially, correct? Mm-hmm. And it's just wild to hear stories of what God does in, in trauma and in tragedy. It's like that's when God works the best is when, when everything goes to hell, essentially. Right. It's like when the worst things are going on around me, God's still there. He's still moving. He's still doing miracles. It's, it's, it's the reason I keep getting up in the morning. Exactly. Like it, I, I love it. And so I don't, it's, you, you watch the media and you're like, God's not in Afghanistan. But in reality, I would say, man, I, I bet he's working there now more than ever. Yep. You know? Because people are desperate. People yeah. are more desperate. Yes. Yeah. So, it's great cool. question. What we got next? I'm not always sure if God is telling me to take the next step or if I'm just wanting to make things go faster. When do you know it's mm. the Lord speaking? Wow. You want me to go? Yeah. I, I would say combination of a few things. One, <laughs> come to church. <laughs> um, I, really, I think there's something about community, um, learning from, from Pastor P. Um, but also I'm a big believer in, in like having, you know, Jesus had 12 people. He had, he had his three, then he had his one. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in having like your 12, your three, your one. Yep. And something in my life, like I actually consciously kind of think about that a lot. Is like if, if, if I have a question in life that has to do with, I don't know, direction or something big. I want to have a set group of people okay. that can speak into me to help me decide. Because the, 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 the 12 people I have in my life, I can say, hey, I want a boat. And I think God wants me to have a boat. Amen? Nope. And they're like, no, he doesn't. You, you see what I'm saying? And that's a joke of an analogy. But um, I, I think having godly people in your corner it, is always the best. 
comes to, to this. Obviously, prayer, uh, listening, all that stuff as well, but I think people as well. I, I agree. I think anytime that we can get um, in the house of God, with the word of God, the people of God, and the spirit of God, when all of those things are pointing to one thing, then that's probably God saying you need to take your next step. It, it, and if you're, if you're like, I'm not quite comfortable with it, that's probably God. Yeah. Because if it don't take faith, then it's not a faith step, right? So, all right. Good. good. Next, what we got? What we got? Let's keep We're going. killing it, man. Man, if Colin Perry fault. Oh, oh, seriously? Oh, this is good. If Colin Perry fault. And who teamed would win? Up, I like this one. It teamed up against Philip. We 100% win. Let's focus on this part. I mean, he, he's a softy at heart. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, I mean, we would obliterate him, but oh. yeah. I'll go for the legs. You go for the head. Fault. Who would win? I don't know, man. We're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> not, yeah. <laughs> go to the next question. Next question. Would you tell the person out there who has been to jail for a serious crime in their past and now being saved for almost 12 years get past their past? Not in jail or in jail still? Um, or in it, the past? It looks like they were, they were in jail and now they're out of jail. You want me to go? I, you know, I honestly... I would say um, if it wasn't for jail, we wouldn't have half of the New Testament. Wow. The oh, Apostle yeah. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament from a jail cell. And so, so I, I don't know what the serious crime is. I don't know what happened. I don't know why you went. Um, I know that if, you, if you've asked for forgiveness, that you've, you've been forgiving, forgiven. I know that we do live in a pretty unforgiving society. Um, but at the end of the day, if you've been forgiven, you've got to take what you learned there. Because you did learn a lot there. You learned. We always learn in seasons like that. And, and just keep moving forward. Because listen, you, even though you've been set free physically... Until you set yourself free spiritually and in your mind, it doesn't matter how free you are out here. So if you're out, then let, let, let you, yourself be out both emotionally and spiritually as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, sometimes I, I know it feels like my, my walk with Jesus is like, the whole thing feels like, how do I get over that thing that I did? How do I get past my past? Like, it's, it's one of those things that's constantly on our minds because we all have a past, right? But I, I just like, I always ask myself even like, does, does, does the grace of Jesus really cover it all? And the answer, the answer is yes. 100%. It's, it's yes. Like, and that's the, mo that's, that's the good news. That's the most amazing thing is like, I, I, even though I suck so bad, the, the mercy and grace of Jesus really covers everything in my life. And I think that's, in my life at least, I have to come to a greater realization that, that that's true. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I appreciate Philip texting in this question. It's great. <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> I love that. I so admire that you have walked back into ministry even after the huge church hurt you experienced, what would you say to those out there that have been or still carry church hurt? Um, it, 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 who is you? Me or you? Probably me, right? Probably you, yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Man. It's definitely you. Like, <laughs> this is fun, man. I like this. Hey, big surprise, I still have church hurt. Like, it still hurts, still sucks. I mean, 
when you go through something like that, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that to get anybody in the room to feel for me. I'm saying that because there are people in this room. In fact, let me take it a step further. There are people that are watching online that are not in this room, and you're not sure you'll ever be back in this room or another room like this because of how hurt you've been in church. And I get that. It's very real. But if church hurt was a reason to give up going to church, then Jesus has more excuses than all of us put together because nobody's been hurt by the church more than Jesus. Yet, when two or three are gathered together in his name, he is here with us and among us. So me personally, um, I, I would say if you've been church hurt, then listen, getting hurt is nothing more than an opportunity to heal and then help other people that have been hurt just like you. So, so the longer I sit in my pile of hurt and complain about it, I'm not being healed. And at the end of the day, it's not will you get hurt at church. Absolutely, because the church is full of humans. But we can move from hurt to healing. And as that process happens, we really get to see, experience the grace of God for ourselves and other people. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. We've all been hurt. But you know what? It, it, it's time to acknowledge it and keep moving forward. Cole? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in that place as well where, you know, I mean, I got fired too and kind of left waiting like, man, will I ever, yes. <laughs> you know, like, will I ever get to do this again? Will I ever get to do what I love? And um, it, it's just cool. Again, I, I've already kind of riffed on this a little bit, but it's just so, I think one of the reasons I love Jesus so much is that it's in the pain that he, he works, that he does miracles. It's in the suffering. It's in the, the questioning. It's in the, the am I going to make it, that Jesus always ends up coming through and doing something that we didn't know was possible. And so I, I said it last Wednesday to our students, like, it's because of my hurt, because of my failure, that he was able to work in my life that I even get to sit on this stage right, right now with you. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's such a beautiful thing what, what God does through, through pain and suffering. It's, it's you know, Cole. Yeah, it's, thank you, guys. It's, it's really cool the number of pastors that will reach out. I get a lot of pastors that reach out to me now. It's a lot. And, and they're saying, hey, man, I, I can't tell anybody about this, but I, I can talk to you about it. And it's, so for me, it's opened up a lot, a lot of opportunities, a lot of doors, a lot of doors. Yeah. So, yeah. next question. I've attended the church for some time now, and I absolutely love it. I have been wanting to bring my partner with me, but am I safe to be open in the church? Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I, th this is my assumption based on this question, okay? If I'm making the wrong assumption, you can let me know. My assumption is that the person who sent this in is, is gay, and they're asking, can they bring their gay partner with them to church? The answer would be yes. These doors are, are open to anyone that wants to walk in. They're welcome to anybody that wants to walk in, period. And, and to add on, there, there are those people in the room right now. And we love them, actually. So just to prove it, <laughs> they're here. Well, and this is the thing, this is the thing that always gets me. It's like, oh my God, you're going to let gay people come to church? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, like, for, I'm not going to have the homosexuality debate right now. I, I'll be glad to have that if you ever want to talk about it. But at the end of the day, when those doors open, if we're going to start excluding gay people, then we're going to have to stop, we're going to have to start excluding like people that eat too much, people that drink too much, people that had lustful thoughts this week. People, I mean, we, I mean where, do we, where do we stop? Yeah, it, it, church uh, would be empty. Yeah, church would be empty. All right, next question. Which is kind of why a lot of them are. So, I, I have always been taught a sin is a sin, but can those serial killers that claim to have found God be forgiven the same as someone who steals a candy bar? <laughs> Respect, that's a good question. 
Yes. I would say yeah. Yeah. Now, now a, a sin is a sin. Sins have different consequences. That, that's the way it is. If I steal a candy bar, um, uh, well, in, in South Carolina, you'll get, you could get tased. Um, in California right now, you can just steal them. I mean, you can just take a candy bars, whatever. But, but um, yeah, a sin is a sin, but, but sins have different consequences. So if somebody killed somebody and then they found God, which, by the way, you never found God because God's not lost. Yeah. God finds us, right? Um, but, yeah, it's, sin is a sin, but sin has different consequences. Usually when people try to come up to you and they say, hey, man, a sin is a sin, <laughs> they've, they've screwed up real yes. bad. And they're trying to justify what they just did. Sin is a sin in God's eyes. Yes, it is, but it has different consequences. Yeah. Let's go next. Okay, good. You said it. Oh, wow. Let me, let me, let me take this one. Do it. Uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love y'all. I love y'all. But we're all crazy, man. He's leaving. <laughs> I seriously, I, 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 what I love the most about pastoral ministry is people, and and, yes. and the hardest part yes. is people. You know but what I'm why? I mean, unpack that just a little bit. I mean, one, I love people, but man, have you? <laughs> You should see some of the messages we get on our social media, man. It's crazy. Let me read this. You sent this out yesterday. No. Yes. Yes. I don't even know what you're about to read. Um, just had a message about seeing if we could, um, somebody, no. if we could go and let somebody's dog out for them so they could come to the service. We love you if you're here. I love you. No, they're coming at 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's they're why I read it, because they, they're not here right now. They're coming. Oh, they said they were coming. I'm sweating. I'm not reading what you said afterwards okay. or what yeah, yeah. Heidi or Ed said. <laughs> it's, it's people. Again, I, the best and worst part of ministry is people. Um, we're just, we're messy, man. Like, you guys know this, that come here every week. Uh, we're, we're mess. We're a mess. And it's a joy to be able to walk through uh, people through those messes, but but it's hard. It's difficult. I mean, you guys know this. I agree. I <laughs> um, <laughs> so the 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 deal is, and you guys have heard me say this before. We're gonna piss somebody off every Sunday. Yeah. Um, every I just did it with that word piss. I just just right there, just mad. You can can't hand somebody you and the and the joke I use. You've heard it before. Is we can hand. $100 bills out at the door, and somebody would go, you know how hard it is to break one of these? I mean, I, I swear. 100%. But then when I stand in um, the first-timers area just a few weeks ago, and there's a seventh grader with nine people behind him, and I was like, oh, you have an entourage. You're like, what's going on? And all these people came to church because of this seventh grader? Yeah. That, that's, a, awesome. that's a win. Yeah. I would, I, would say, I would say Jesus would probably answer the same thing. The hardest thing is people. Yeah. Because you, um, you have Peter. Who is an idiot half the yeah, time. Yeah, he's like, you're, you're the Christ, <laughs> the Son of God. And then he, and then and he, he can't find him. Satan. Yeah, then he calls Satan. In the, net, in the same chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by Jesus. By Jesus. When Jesus calls you Satan. You, you've screwed up. Yep. <laughs> All right, next question. What is a good verse to keep as a reminder, I am not alone when I feel lost? Isaiah 41.10. Wow, that was quick. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. Isaiah 41.10. The reason I know that so well is because I've had to go to that verse so many times. Psalm chapter 90. Those who take refuge in God. I mean, just the whole thing. Just our Psalm 91, I'm sorry, the whole thing. Psalm 91. You, any verse stick out to you in particular? I like those. I'm sticking with those, man. Those are good. You know any Bible verses? <laughs> Genesis. Cole, Cole, what is your favorite Bible verse? Do it, man. Come on, do it. You've been talking junk all week. Do it. What's your favorite Bible I'm verse? I've not talked junk. You have too. What's your favorite Bible verse? Genesis 
2.23. What does it say? The man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. <laughs> hey, you like that one too, don't lie. I do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. PTL. Next question. Next question. What time is it? What do you do when you are divorced and your kids are forced to go to a church that is not speaking the truth with your ex? Oh. I don't know, Cole. Well, you, t you take it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the divorce guy, right? I, just... I mean, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> it's a tough question. Um, th this is what I'm learning in this season. Um, you're, you're responsible for your child when they are with you. And, and you're responsible for having spiritual conversations and leading them spiritually when they're with you. And then if, if they really are going to another church that isn't teaching the truth, then at the end of the day, you've got to understand that your child was God's child before they were your child and that God loves that child more than you do and God's going to make sure that they understand what truth is and what deception is and God's going to open their eyes and they will see the truth and they will walk. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go and when they're old they will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6, hold on to that. I, I don't have a child or any of that, so. Okay, good, all right. You do <laughs> have a dog. I to you. You do have, have a dog. dog. Okay. Beautiful dog. Yeah, this huge. Huge. He's, he's large. What is your take on dating during a separation slash divorce, Cole? <laughs> Stop asking these questions, man. I just get um, During, like in the middle of it? That's what it seems, yeah. I mean, oh gosh, you guys, I don't freaking know. I would say if you're married, you're married. Honor that. Like, this is something I'm really stern on. I love marriage, and I've done a ton of weddings. And You did my wedding. I did your wedding. Not Shannon. You did. I did. That was, was awesome. It was great. It was really fun. But when, when, pe when two people stand up there looking at each other and they say, I promise I'm going to be with you through the thick and the thin for the rest of my life. I, I mean, excuse me if this is wrong, but I take it that they mean that, <laughs> you know. Like, I, I take that seriously. And so I, I'm a big believer in marriage. I love marriage. And so I would just say to that person, like, if you've made that commitment, I don't know the story. I don't know what's happened or anything. But I would see it through. I would honor that commitment at least until the end. That, that's just my opinion. It's, here's, here's the thing that if, if you're in this room and you've been through a divorce, here's what you know. Divorce sucks. It's awful. Even, even if you got 77 justifications, when it's over, it just sucks. It hurts. Um, and so for me, I take every situation and look at, I wish there was just like a, 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 an answer, but with each situation, I look at it, um, I look at it individually. Uh, at, I would agree with Cole, in most situations, that is the 100% answer, but in, in, in certain, and once again, there, there are very, 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 very few um, exceptions, but in certain situations, like been separated five years or something. You yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and but, let, let me just clarify what I what I just said as well. No, I mean you what you said was good. But was but good. but that's not a I don't that's not a shaming statement. That's not a, a judgmental statement. If you've been through a divorce, I know how painful that's been. We love you. Like I, I just I just wanted to I guess clarify. No, I, I no it, I, it, that's not a judgmental statement at all. I didn't I, take it I, I didn't yeah. take it as judgmental. Cool. But I, I do believe I'm throwing my water I love marriage. I think it's amazing. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Genesis 2.23. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. What have we got next? What's the best way to share your faith with a Mormon if they were to knock on your door? How can you show them the truth but do so in a loving manner? Oh, my gosh. 
I love this. You want to know something? Two days, I think, before we moved here, we had a Mormon show up at our house. Addie and I did in Indiana. And it's interesting. I don't know the verse. I'm not like you. I'm not a genius. Must be nice. Um, I should look it up. Um, there's a verse at some point in the old, I think it's Isaiah, is I, I am the Lord your God. There is no other God. There's no other God before me. Like, plain as day. And if you ask That's a Mormon. That's pretty much in the entire Bible call. No, mean, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, but you, like, if you ask a Mormon, hey, how do you, how do you reconcile this? Because they read the Bible. It's really interesting. They read the Bible. That's like part of their scripture. And so if your Bible, if your Bible and my Bible tell me that there's one God, how, how can you sit there and say there are multiple gods? My, drop the mic. They, it's, it, it closes down the whole conversation. And that's not to say, like, destroy them or anything. We invited this kid into our house. I told him I'd meet him. I'd buy him a meal, like, all that stuff. It's because it's an interesting conversation, but the, the, the logic isn't there. I'm sorry. I love them. Jesus said that the world will know we're Christians by the way we, by the way we love one another. And, and just, just so you know, Mormons, I, I want you to hear this. I'm going to say this with absolute authority, but 100%, not judgment, but love and truth. M Mormonism and Christianity are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. And uh, at the end of the day, anytime somebody knocks on the door, whether they're a Mormon or whatever, we're, we're to show them we're to show them grace and love, but also speak speak truth into their lives. Yeah, right? invite them in. Yeah. Yeah. They get too many doors slammed in their face. Yeah. I actually feel bad for them. <laughs> Next question. What advice do you have to new parents? How can we make sure our girl sees the love of Jesus every day? I'm a dog parent. I want to tell you something about parenting. Okay. This is just my philosophy, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. There is not a scientific way to parent that child. All the parenting books that were written by the experts, at the end of the day, let's be honest, they hit the lottery because I've seen godly kids come from crappy homes, yeah. and I've seen incredible mothers and fathers have kids that put the prodigal son to shame. I mean, at the end of the day, there's probably some parents here, and you feel like you blew it because your kids went crazy. Let me ask you a question. Is God a good father? Yes or no? His kids went crazy. Yeah. Adam and Eve, they were, is that God's fault? No. I mean, they made a choice. So, I, my advice to new parents, <laughs> A, get sleep whenever you can find it. I mean, just squeeze in five, ten minutes because amen, amen, you're going to. But um, at the end of the day, just, just it, it's a consistent thing. Once again, if, if they see you come to church and raise your hands in worship and you leave here and cuss your waitress out, Ooh. that cancels this out. They don't think mommy and daddy love Jesus. They think mommy and daddy's a hypocrite. And it's so, the hardest thing for me, one of the hardest things in my life is to model Jesus for my child. Because they go through that phase where they ask questions. Daddy, what's the speed limit? Are you going faster? It's, yeah, that would be my advice. Next, my wife died in a motorcycle accident four years ago. What is heaven really like? And does she still remember her life here on earth and the love we had for each other? Well, you want me to go? Hmm? I would, honestly, I don't mean this as a joke. I, politely, I would, I've never been there, <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't technically know what heaven is like. I don't think really any of us do. Um, I know it's going to be awesome. Um, if I had to guess, I would say, yes, your wife knows who you are, remembers you, and is most likely probably going to be waiting for you uh, when you get there someday. 
which is really beautiful. The thing, the thing that the Bible says about heaven that we can all hold on to um, is the Bible tries to describe heaven, but even the author in the scripture says, listen, I can't even really wrap my mind. I can't, not the half has been told. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Yeah. Um, the, here's what we know about heaven. And this is the one thing that I can tell you that cannot be refuted by anyone. The thing that makes heaven so amazing is the presence of God is there. And in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, there is no suffering, and there is no hurting, and there is no cancer, and there is no Alzheimer's, and there is no COVID, there is no any of that. The Bible says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. So as, as soon as your wife left this earth, if she knew Christ, which I'm assuming she did, she was present with the Lord. And, and if she's present with the Lord, she's absolutely in her right mind. Yeah. And so absolutely, sir, she will, she will know you. And I, I would even add to that, like, I think a lot of times we forget that God is so good. And so we have these questions like, man, is heaven really going to be all that I hope it's going to be? And I, I think in, in our forgetfulness of how good Jesus is, we ask these types of questions. But in reality, I imagine heaven is is better than anything that our minds could even comprehend. Absolutely. Beca because he's so good. Mm -hmm. And he would never take away something from you that you love so dearly because he loves you so dearly. And I think that's just amazing. I'm pumped for heaven, man. I good. hope we hang out in heaven. We will. You think? Yeah. Cool. I'll see you there. All right. I mean, I hope you go before I me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably will, Cole. <laughs> Next question. No. No. And you and you're and listen. You not ever not everybody's going to agree with this. Not everybody's going to agree with this. But no. And let me tell you why. This is a personal conviction. I can back it up with scripture. You can choose to be right and lose the relationship, or you can choose the relationship and earn the right to continue speaking truth into a person for the rest of their life. But you don't go. You can get all your Christian friends to back you up, you were right. I was right. I told them. I told them the truth. Number one, we never see Jesus doing that. Never. 100%. I, me personally, I'm going to choose relationship over being right every single time. Well, if you go, it means you support. Well, I mean, does it? I, I would say if you go that you love your daughter. And if somebody is going to shame you for loving your daughter, that person is not the kind of friend that you need in your life, period. I can get fired up about this. I, me too, man. I mean, I think of like Zacchaeus, like Jesus goes to his house. Zacchaeus is the, the worst dude in the world. Like the woman at the well, Jesus goes to her. Oh, time and time again, Jesus is actually going to that person's life that was in sin. He was going to them, not shouting at them, don't do that. I'm going to stay over here. And so, like, I, I just think it's a godly thing. Like, don't lose your daughter. That's, that's my opinion. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Next question. How does someone fully and truly forgive someone who never even acknowledged that they even hurt you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the deal. Forgiveness isn't about them. Forgiveness is about you. Yeah. And when I forgive somebody, that, like, their relationship with Jesus is between them and Jesus. But it's not something that I'm going to, because there's people in here that have been hurt by other people. Seriously hurt by other people. At the end of the day, your forgiveness is literally, they don't owe me. Yeah. They don't owe me an apology. They don't owe me. In, they don't owe me a thing. 
and then trusting God, if there's something, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you with it. Yeah, what's that, what's that quote? Unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison and hoping the other person dies. Yes. Which is so good because it's like, man, it takes more energy for me not to forgive them than it does to forgive them. Like that's more weight on me than it is them probably. Right. So, I, yeah, unforgiveness, it's hard. it sucks, man. It's hard. It, it's, it's, the, it's, it's one of the major things that holds us back in our walk with Christ. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Next question? We got more. Why does Jesus want me to keep fighting to preach his word? He's trying to reach the world, man. That's what I'd say. End of Matthew, he says, go tell the world. Preach the gospel to the world. And I think that goes for all of us. Like, go make disciples of every nation. And, you know, I think, I do, I think Jesus is waiting to come back until everybody has heard. So why do we keep fighting? I mean, this is why I get out of bed, out of bed in the morning, man, because I want more people to see and know Jesus. And I, I can't think of anything that's more exciting than that. That's probably why I'm in ministry, but I can't think of anything better than, than talking about Jesus. Because when people meet Jesus, lives change, truly. If it doesn't happen right away, but over time, as people walk with Jesus, things change. Bad becomes good. Hard becomes better. <laughs> Pain becomes joy. Like, Jesus changes everything, man. I can't imagine not wanting to talk about him. Right? right. Now, after this one, we're going to do two more. But let me just set this up. I, I, what he said 100%. Um, Jesus, at the end of every gospel, most people know the great commission passage is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. But there's actually a great commission passage at the end of every gospel. Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, verses 45 through 48, John chapter 20, verse 21, and then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus clearly and distinctly says, go reach the world. There's about three and a half billion to four billion people on the planet that haven't been reached yet. So we've got to work. So why, why keep fighting? Um, I, I, and I love that word because it is a fight. Why keep fighting? Because there's four billion people on the planet that need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus okay? says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. True. And we got to go, man. That's we true. Go. Two more questions. Two more questions. Uh, next, the last one. How do you get through living with anxiety every day and also trying to trust the Lord through it? It's one of the hardest things ever. I had anxiety for a little bit. Pretty bad, actually. Really bad, actually. Um, I think for me, there were two things I, I had to learn. Um, one, the first thing that I had to learn in order to kind of get past my anxiety was that I'm, in terms of spirituality, I'm on offense not defense. What do I mean by that? Um, I like where you're going with this. Uh, yes. I'm on. So one of the things, there's this, you remember that video that was sent, the, the spoken word? Um, yes. I can't remember the guy's name. It's I know about anxiety. About, yeah. um, but one of the lines in the spoken word is this guy's talking about anxiety. He, he, he's, he's talking to the enemy and he says, I'm on your back. I'm watching, or I'm watching you lose. I'm stalking you too. And I remember when I heard that the first time, something clicked in me. It's like, man, so many people, especially with anxiety, we have this like, the devil's after me, the devil's after me, the devil's after me. No, you're after him. I, I'm so, so passionate about this. It's like, if the God that created those demons and the devil lives in me, how am I running away from the devil? No, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm after him. And so like, I, I remember like, I had to have this, this change of mindset where it's like, I'm the predator, not the prey. Okay? First thing. I don't, what was the second thing? <laughs> oh, second thing. Is that I had to learn to uh, replace, because anxiety, it's, it's fear. That's what it is. It's, it's intense fear of something. And I had to learn uh, how to replace the fear that I had in my life with truth. So for me, couple of my core fears were like, I, I was really afraid of failure, and I was afraid people weren't going to love me. And I had to, to learn about myself, and this isn't arrogant, this is just now I'm confident who, in who God made me to be, it is, no, I'm actually 
a pretty lovable person. Like, I, I, I do the people thing pretty well. Uh, you know, and I also, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty good at my, what I do. Like, those are things I had to learn. And so instead of being terrified of what could happen, I'm now confident in who God made me to be. Does that make sense? I love that. I, dude, I'm freaking preaching, man. I should have gotten more amens on that than I did. It's bull crap. Well. <laughs> nope, too late, too late. I think, I think one of the biggest um, problems with anxiety today, and I want to be sensitive in how I say this, is it's, it's overdiagnosed. Let me tell you what I mean. As somebody who's had a legit panic attack, and you, you have too. I mean, you, so you know Man, what it's like. Too many times. Um, but I've spoken to people who have anxiety, and, and you don't have anxiety. It's just the line at Chick-fil-A was a little too long. <laughs> you don't have anxiety. You're spoiled. That's what you are, okay? You're the kind of person that will stand behind, beside the microwave and go, God, I wish it would take, I mean, it's taking forever. Um, and so I, I, think it's over, I, think, I think some people, like, call a bad day anxiety. Anxiety is crippling. Anxiety, but here's what, here, and, and to kind of piggyback off of what Cole said, I had to learn to stop identifying with I have anxiety. I, I had to say I, I'm a Christian, and sometimes I wrestle with anxiety. That, that's why I believe whatever you identify with, that, I mean, if I, I'm, I'm not, when I say I have anxiety, I have anxiety, I have anxiety, if I'm talking about anxiety more than Jesus, then no wonder I have it. Right. Yeah. It's like the whole alcohol thing we talk about. Like, yeah. hey, 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 I'm cool, I'm alcoholic. No, it's not who I am, actually. Right. Uh, it might be what I struggle with. It's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a child of God. And even, let me, like, for some reason in our culture, and this is something I'm battling with, with the youth right now, is... Like, it's become sexy for some reason to, to, be, to be anxious, which is interesting because it's not. Like you said, it's crippling. And so, I, I don't know. I, I'm after this thing, man. It's, yeah. it's one of my life's battles is, yeah. is I'm after anxiety. Yeah, after it, I killed it in my life, I'm going around and killing it in everybody else's life too. It's good, Cole. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's a makeup call for that amen stuff right there. All right. Last question. Love y'all. Last question. Here we go. A couple years ago, my father took his own life. I've heard my whole life that suicide is a sin. If you decide to take your own life, you are automatically condemned to hell. You know what? Let me just, let me just say this. I've never, never done a Q&A. Ever. And I've been in ministry now for over 30 years where a form of this question didn't come up, suicide. Let me, just, let me just pause, let me just pause for just a second and speak to anyone in the room or anybody watching online who has had suicidal thoughts over the past week or month or so. I get it. I've been exactly where you are. And the it seems like the easiest thing to do would be to take your own life. I, I get that. But I want you to just stop and consider something. If those thoughts are recurring over and over and over and over again, that's the enemy trying to take you out. And the reason the enemy's trying to take you out is because he knows that if you live you're gonna step into a level of abundant living that you never thought was possible if you just hold on. Now, at the end of the day, does suicide send you to hell? No, no. Not knowing Jesus is what determines where a person spends eternity. It's real simple. If you have Christ in your life, then no matter how you die, you will spend eternity in heaven. If you don't have Christ in your life, then no matter how you die, you will spend eternity in hell, which, by the way, hell is a very real place. It's not imaginary. Jesus, when he spoke about hell, and he spoke about hell way more than he spoke about heaven, when he spoke about hell, it was a very 
literal, real place, and people really do go there, and that bothers me. So at the end of the day, I would say if you're considering suicide, listen, the, in it, the enemy's trying to take you out because he knows if you stay in the game, you're going to do damage to his kingdom. Right. So you hang in there. You hang in there. I hung in there. And right now, I'm experiencing a side of life that I never thought I would ever get to see. I'm happier than I've ever been. I've got more joy than I've ever had in my life. Not because of something I did, because Jesus held on to me when I couldn't even hold on to anything. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I would just say, maybe the reason you showed up at church today was to make that decision. In fact, let's, let's just stand and close in prayer. We were going to sing, but we're not going to sing. I, I, I want to just offer an invitation right now for everybody in the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, I want to thank you, God, that we can come together and have conversation. In your word, you said, come and let's reason together. Father, I pray that out of today that there's fruit, this, that, that we can walk away with something. But God, even more than that, I pray for every single person in this room right now. God, that we would pause and consider where we're going to spend eternity. And if there's someone in this room that doesn't know you, God, that right now they would make the decision to receive you into their life. Well, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and you know you want to ask him into your heart, then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray with me. And I just want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Come into my life right now, Jesus. Take over. I surrender. I give you complete control. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus into your life, would you do me a favor and put your hand straight up in the air right now? Straight up in the air and leave it up. Straight up in the air and leave it up. Amen. Amen. Straight up in the air. Leave it up. Amen. Straight up in the air. Leave it up. Online, straight up in the air. Leave it up. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for these hands. Thank you so much that people just crossed over from death to life. Thank you, God, that you are a way maker, a promise keeper, a miracle worker, light in the darkness. Thank you, God. There's nothing that we're going to face this week that you can't overcome. God, you are stronger than anxiety. You are stronger than addiction. You are stronger than anything the enemy brings against us and that we know that in you, Jesus, we have life for eternity and we have life abundantly because of who you are and because of your life in us. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, me too. Hey, we'll see y'all back here next weekend for our Christmas services. Make sure to bring somebody. First-timers, I would love to hang out with you.